Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined as I always am and always will be by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castron. Hey, Bubba. Forever and ever and ever. This is it. look that way. This is it. Just you and me. Two peas in a pod for life. Oh, man. Yeah. That's the way it shook out. This is it. Yeah. One of us is going to die first, too. No. Not true. Packed? You want to do a packed? Packed. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) That would really refuel the rumors from high school that we were gay together. Yeah. Suicide. All right. Whoever whoever carved it into that desk in the global studies classroom, Bob and Dan are gay. If we if we had a uh, suicide pact together, they'd be like vindicated. All right, let's let's set the ground <laughs> rules on this. If it's potentially in play, it's gonna have to come. We'll both have to live to old age. Uh, all right, and we'll both have to not have. Let's be honest, our wives can't be around. Like in the in the vicinity or just around? No, like we have to outlive our our wives. Oh, that's not happening for me. So I guess I'm out. My everybody in my wife's family lives to be a hundred or like her hundred and five year old grandfather just voted. <laughs> like he was so excited to go vote. <laughs> like it's insane. Because well, I mean, it doesn't work in the other if if they're still living. And of course you want your spouse to outlive you. Because if if you and I go through with like a suicide pact and and the wives are left like wait what? <laughs> that's going that's a, that's unacceptable. We can't. Yeah, that's I guess it's a little selfish. All right, well, let's like, you know, we can't take this too far either cuz then but if it is what if it was just us? And, right. If there was nobody else like in our lives. And then we got kids though and the kids Well, are that's it. I mean, we're, we're, we can't go down that we're in way, we're in way too deep now. All right, we're estranged from both our wife and our children, Ooh, wives and so our children. Things have gone wrong. Something for really bad happened. Ooh, this is... uh, so we essentially live solitary lives or lives together, but we're not fucking. Or maybe we are, <laughs> depending on what you know what what happened. Don't with... t- don't take it off the table. There's a lot of weird things happening right now. So in the case that it's just kind of us with no significant others or family, right? Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do that with you. Cool. Okay, we've settled it. All right. How do you want to do it? Fucking each other. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck each other to death. Oh, no. What a terrible opening. Welcome to the Throwback <laughs> Podcast. What a bad way to start Your place for all, all <laughs> pop culture artifacts. I feel like we should redo this. <laughs> in the music realm. Should we? We don't do that often. I think we should. <laughs> we got to. It was just a little too gay panicky. Just a little too gay panic. I don't think it was gay panic. It got it just. I think we went back to fucking each other like one too many times. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Hi, you guys want some cookies? 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 
Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castron. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. Okay, raising it up again on me. The great Jackie Daytona. The great Jackie Daytona. Uh, there's something new in the in the garage tonight. What? That, um, it's kind of freaking me out. Uh, is it the Chris Catan memoirs right behind you? It's right behind me, but there's something else right over my left shoulder. A new oh, addition yes. to the garage. Yes. A dismembered uh, head of Dave Matthews. Yeah, that was a weird thing to get in the mail. <laughs> I sent you, I sent this to you <laughs> without ever telling you that this was going to arrive. We'll take a, we'll take a picture of it and put it on Twitter at throwback pod. Emily thought, um, it was like straight out of the bodyguard and it was like a crazed around the NFL podcast fan. <laughs> and she was very concerned that someone had learned our address and this was just the beginning of, uh, you know, a Cape fear level terrorization of the family. Uh huh. But uh, that's how they all start. Out. It all starts with the head of Dave Matthews. <laughs> the the actual human severed head of Dave <laughs> Matthews. Uh, but no, it was sent from Bob and I was relieved uh, when that was put together. Yeah, it's good to have Dave here, uh, even if it's just a one of those cardboard cutouts where you could poke the eyeballs out. Uh, if you notice, I did not poke the eyeballs out um, because you can wear it as a mask. But I kind of like they could see those baby browns. No, you need to see them. I learned on Amazon, if you want a full cardboard cutout of Dave Matthews, it'll set you back like 65 bucks. But you want the mm. head of Dave Matthews? Like four ninety nine, <laughs> Money well spent for anybody who just wants to spruce up their home with a little Dave. Yeah. I, uh, one of my sons just today actually pulled, out, pulled that off the wall and was walking around the house with it. It's very disturbing for Dave Matthews' head to be on like a five-year-old's body. <laughs> Take a picture of that and send it to me. That sounds great. <laughs> Maybe that's what we're going to post uh, uh, for the fans of the show. And then I put the mask on as a full-grown man and looked at Emily uh, while making like Love. gross sounds with my tongue. And uh, she, said, she said, why would you be making those sounds as Dave Matthews? I was like, oh, because like he's obsessed with... You know, oral sex. She's like, "What? Why do you, what do you mean he's obsessed with oral sex?" And I was like, "That song, Crash Into Me. That's that's about mm-hmm. oral, right? Obviously." And then uh, she was like, "I don't think so." And then I was like, "Wait, did I just make that up?" And then I thought of the line, "Hike up your skirt a little more, more, and show your world to me in a boy's dream." A little weird that ending part of the song. Mm-hmm. What is that song about? We talked about it. It's about buttholes. Oh, that's right. Buttholes. And, but now that's the only way that you and your wife make love is in the Dave mask. <laughs> she has to wear it. Oh, always. All right. This is, uh, yes, the throwback podcast. Again, if you were born in exactly 1980, <laughs> this is the pop culture podcast for you, especially if you are a music Lover, we dig into albums, uh, countdowns, all through the decades, 80s, 90s, 2000s. 90s. 90s. Early 2000s. 90s. Yep, like up to like 2007. 90s-ish. Um, and this week, we haven't, done, we haven't really dug into, Bob, the mid-aughts in a while. 
So uh, we decided to make uh, today Kings of Leon night here in the garage. That's right. I asked you, you know, Dan, we haven't we haven't let you pick uh, an album in a while. We the royal we me and uh, Dave over here pick an album. What do you want to do? Uh, yeah, I chose Kings of Leon because I feel like there are a lot of bands that get killed for being popular but shitty. Um, I guess the most prominent one is Nickelback of, of this era. Um, but you can name a bunch. Um, Billy Joel comes to mind. Oh, fuck you. Uh, How dare you? But uh, Kings of Leon is sometimes now lumped into that. And I understand. Are they? There is, they have not aged well in terms mm. of uh, popular opinion. They, I feel like they get kind of lumped in as kind of uh, college frat bro rock of a, a bygone era. And I wanted to um, talk about them and this album in, in uh, specifically because of the times, because this time, the early to mid to even late 2000s, I believe that Kings of Leon was putting out some of the best rock albums in the world. And I stand by that. And now they're just seen as like the Sex on Fire band and kind of cheesy bro rock and the later singles uh, and albums weren't received nearly as well. So they're kind of now in a time capsule. Uh, But I don't want to discount them. I feel like they deserve love. Is that, is that a, am I out of line, Bob? Well, no, I think you're dead on with, they were putting out great music in the aughts. And for a minute there, they, in the album that came after this one, they were up there with the Foo Fighters and past the killers is like the biggest rock band in our country. Doesn't it feel like when sex on fire hit and that was an album that came, I believe it was the album after this, this album that we're talking about today came out in 2007. Um, doesn't it feel like they've been put in a box as just like Sex on Fire guys? Yeah, that album with Use Use Somebody, Sex on Fire, those two songs in particular became bigger than the band. And yeah, that is what they're defined by now. But there are three albums leading up to it. We had done Aha Shake Heartbreak on this podcast mm. a million years ago. Check it out. Uh, we have a, a deep catalog. What are we up to? Like 125? We're getting there. Bob? Something like that. Um, their first album, Youth and Young Manhood, Anybody who liked the Strokes at the time was turned on to the Southern Strokes and you had to give a listen to it. I loved it. And then this album, which I agree with you, Dan, I think this is their best album. So I'm excited to listen to it. Oh, okay. So the dealer's choice sounds like a slam dunk. I think so. That's a little sports parlance for a successful situation. Yep. 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 Um, All right. So this album came out. I, I cheated. Well, I didn't cheat. I just inadvertently saw that it was april 2007 all right well then you what was going on you bob? ruined everything because you saw it ahead of time <laughs> yes what was happening bob april 3rd 2007 uh boris yeltsin died dan oh boris kurt vonnegut also died boris liked the booze a couple of big time um celebrity divorces happened that month you don't want to talk about boris yeltsin's drinking problem with me no i thought we got it i thought yeah. you nailed it Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on. A couple of big time celebrity divorces. Heather Locklear and Richie Sambora. Oh, Richie and Heather. After 11 years of marriage, called it quits. It doesn't get a lot of um, pub out there, and maybe it's for the best, but uh, Heather's been going through some stuff. Yeah, I think she's nuts. In the last right? 10 years. Yeah, yeah she's been... been dealing with some mental illness, I believe. 
And oh, now, uh, now you made me feel shitty. I just said nuts because I didn't think like, I just thought she was doing crazy things. Oh, no, it's it's that thing. Where oh, it's like, okay. uh-oh. It's like if you follow Britney Spears on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Level, where it's like, uh-oh. Right. Got okay. a problem here. Got it. Um, but, you know, the fact that Richie, it didn't work out with Heather. I think he got married to Denise Richards, too. Does that sound right? That does sound right, yeah. And now he got Bon Jovi uh, putting out new out. Al- we got to do a Jovi album. That's we do. We do. Uh, That's coming. We got Bon Jovi. Let's do the new Bon Jovi album <laughs> <laughs> without Richie Zimbar because he's not on it, Bob. No, he's not. He's not on it. He hasn't been in the band for like 10 years. What? How is Richie Sambora not in Bon Jovi? What kind of asshole does John Bon Jovi have to be? To not have Richie Sambora uh, in the band. Don't put that on John Bon. Maybe Richie's being a dick. Come on, dude. John Bon is totally in the wrong on this. Um, I don't know anything about it. Nope. But I just assume <laughs> that it's his problem. It's on him. Maybe we should do the John Bon Jovi 1997 solo album, Desti- Destination Anywhere. Is that the one with Midnight and Chelsea? Nah, nah, Great nah, song. Nah. Great song. Great song. I, it's gotten to the point I have no idea, Bob. Uh, what what we've talked about, what we haven't on the show. I we've, feel like we've, we've talked extensively on uh, Midnight and Chelsea. We've point. done that album before, twice. Uh, the other big celebrity <laughs> did it last week. The other big celebrity divorce. Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown got divorced the same month. Oh, I didn't realize they were divorced. Yeah, after 14 years of marriage. That's a sad story, too. It is. Here's a crazy thing about that, too. When they got divorced, Whitney was 43. Bobby Brown was 38. Hmm. What's so crazy about that? World. It just makes me feel oh, old. Whenever oh, I see I like see. things in the news where it's like, yeah. oh, they were they were really old when it happened. No, they're like my age. Yeah. Yeah. In tough situation there with the old Whitney. Watch yeah. a documentary on her too. She's got some issues there too. Mental. Yeah. Brittany, Whitney, Heather. Bobby Brown. Us no. sharp as tax though. Right. No issues. I think so. I think we're doing great. Bobby Brown also has to be happy to be on my hot 80s dudes, Mount Rushmore, as we established in uh, that was such a reach. the NXS episode, I think. I had, you know, I like that it, it, it added some diversity to your list. And uh, obviously in his heyday, uh, Bobby Brown was a sex symbol of some kind. But to, to put him, <laughs> I, need, I need to actually formulate an apology right here. Um because someone on Twitter, you know, a lot of people know that I am a very big U2 fan. And how do I leave off U2 drummer Larry Mullen Jr. on my Mount Babemore of 80s sex gods? I'm very disappointed in myself. Larry Mullen should be there. No, he's not going to be on he, any mount, mountains no, 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 of no, anything. Dude. Do me a favor, dude. Google Larry Mullen Jr. young. <laughs> No, very young. I don't want that in my. <laughs> I don't want that in my search history ever. Ever. I don't know who he'd bump because I don't remember what the Mount Babemore I had was anymore. I just remember <laughs> it was better than yours. Um, but uh, Larry deserved to be there. Anyway, mental illness, man. <laughs> no, don't go back there. Uh, that's all I got. The number one. Um, alternative rock song though, Dan. I think you got that all queued up. Oh yeah, okay. Here Number we go. one alt rock hit in April two thousand seven. This is a song I've never heard before. Nor have I. Nor have I. Right, here we go. 
But if you have bad taste in music, you love it. And it's off an album called A Beautiful Lie. How many albums, like <laughs> profoundly dumb albums, have had that title? <laughs> so many profoundly dumb ones. All right, here we go. I like it so far. Not bad so far. Nothing to hate yet. Is this right now? Thirty seconds to Mars. I mean, what a shitty band name. It's the Jared Leto band. The Jared Leto band. Which it I sounds guess, like Christian rock. It does, and I guess we should note while we are. I guess it's a little basic to mock this band because Jared Leto's the singer because he's a famous, handsome actor. Uh, they have a huge fan base and are very, very successful. Yeah. Like, wildly successful. He has become a cult leader, I believe. Really? Yeah, he has, like, people that follow him and, like, consider him their leader. Like, legitimately. Where? I don't know. Is he recognize it? I didn't fully research this uh, statement (laughs) I just made. Wait, does he recognize the cult? Yeah, I think so. I think he, like, wears gowns and walks around. No, he doesn't. Yeah, I think this is a thing. I'm pretty sure that's a thing that's been reported recently. You should know, Bob, that this song won a Kerrang! Award for Best Single. Oh, Kerrang! They're on top of things. Do you know what that is? It's a magazine, right? Uh, yeah. I- it, K-E-R-R-A-N-G. It Kerrang. is. It's a United Kingdom-based. Oh, okay. Ma- so they... Wait, so they broke overseas? They're huge. I guess my dumb podcast did, so... Yeah, I mean, I you're, no, and you're no fucking Jared Leto. <laughs> I am not Leto. Jared Leto has started a cult on an island and his followers call him Prophet. Oh my God. It's a thing. What a monster. It's a real thing. That is disgraceful. Oh, and I'm looking at pictures of him looking like a cult leader. This is crazy. And just, pe- oh wow. There's got to be some human rights violations going on over there. I mean, if you're going to be in a cult, you might as well be in Jared Leto's cult. I guess. I mean,. Should without we join without should, getting should, all theological about it. I should, mean, should we join it? I was going to say, I mean, there's no real difference between other major religions. They just choose to make Jared Leto their Jesus. And how many prophets have won a Best Supporting Actor Academy Award? Probably not many. in that film. Yeah. He played um, a gay cowboy? No. Of some kind? No, that's Brokeback Mountain you're thinking of. No, but I think he played I think that he was a gay cowboy in this movie too. I never saw this movie. What what have you seen? <laughs> I'm starting to lose my faith in your finger on the pulse of pop culture. Because I didn't see the Matthew McConaughey Jared Leto movie? Well, no. Well, you told me before we started recording that you finally saw Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I finally saw it. So which, I've seen which it. Which was like right in our wheelhouse, I would think. 
And it came out seven years ago. I know. I should have seen it when it came out. It's a great movie. <laughs> For everybody else Don't be there. that guy. I, <laughs> I, I hate when people are like, oh, yeah, I just saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Let's talk about it. It's like, what? <laughs> How about that Jonah Hill? Can we talk about that performance? Has anybody talked about that? Breakout comedy star. All right. Let's get into it. From yeah, yesterday, that what are we was. Doing here? Every 30 uh, seconds to Mars song sounds like that, by the way. Exactly. Oh, the worst part about that cult would be having to listen to the music. I do like the song that sounds like this. Bury me, bury me. <laughs> you know that one? I think maybe. <laughs> not, not based on that, but I think. Bury me, bury me. It's disturbing. <laughs> All right, let's get into it, Bob. Yeah, so let's listen to some real rock. There you go. There you go. Jared Leto could have his own cult and have that beautiful face and his Oscar statue. Millions of dollars. In his study, in his mansions. Mm -hmm. But what he'll never have is an album that's as good as Because of the Times. Or a podcast in a garage in Culver City. He can never have that. He can't have that. I mean, he could if he wanted it. So easily he could have it. But he's not going to. Never. Never. Over our dead bodies. Here's Knocked Up. So here's a statement of intent, Bob. Now, some people might call it overblown. I call it ambitious in a good way. Starting your album with a seven-minute slow burner. This is knocked up. Apparently about a man trying to convince his girlfriend to have a baby. Mm. I mean, the lyrics don't seem very profound. That's what it sounds like, right? Yeah, that sounds like that to me. But I love uh, I love the vibe. It sets the tone for the whole album, uh, and then when the guitars crash in, it's a great way to start an album. I agree. Jared Followill on the Vox. This reminds me of the way that Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco starts out with a statement of intense song. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to break your heart. Kings of Leon at this point to put out two albums of perfect like garage rock singles. Like their first album, Aha Shake Heartbreak, just had these perfect little songs to start out with a seven minute, like you said, slow burner immediately announces we're doing something different this time. Right. And I guess a critic of the band, and there are, would say, it, just because you made the song long doesn't mean you're experimenting with your sound. All right. 
I guess you could say that, but I really do think it succeeds. Forget about just the fact that it was a long song, that it kind of puts you in the pocket of what this album is going to sound like. And it, it does like, it does feel like um, classic rock, but modern at the same time, which is something, a, a lane that I think is hard to get into. Mm-hmm. And I think they pulled it off. I agree. The, um, the first War and Drugs album, too. Like, yeah. Starts out with a nice long song that just sets the mood for what's to come. Uh, did you know, Bob? I think the Brits, and we have a lot of Brit listeners. We do. Love Kings of Leon. NME, which is their Rolling Stones, said that this album cements Kings of Leon as one of the great American bands of our times. That's an important quote because... Again, I don't think anyone in 2020 ever thought that Kings of Leon was a band that was held in high esteem as like a a real monster rock group of its era, which they were and it's not and this was this predated Sex on Fire. Right. I don't know what corners of the internet you're going on where there's all this Kings of Leon hate. Oh, Bob. It's out there. Really? Maybe like The Wolf of Wall Street, I'm just missing it until it's too late. Maybe. I don't know. Really, you haven't heard... Not really. I feel like they are kind of like looked down on as... See, I feel if anything... Like bro rock. They've just kind of been forgotten. Like their last couple of albums haven't hit at all. There haven't been singles on there. There's not really a place for them in 2020. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think that there's like a, a world where like you're putting them in the same category as Nickelback. And I don't see that at all. There was a very interesting, to the point you made, a very interesting, one, a dream guest, Bob, that I have for the show. I feel like we could reach out to this person, you mm-hmm. with your uh, entertainment world connections, uh, me through the NFL or whatever, Dave Holmes, hmm. the, the guy that should have beaten Jesse uh, Camp. Jesse Camp. Strong disagree. Jesse Camp deserved to win that I Want to Be a VJ contest, but can, can you go on. Okay. I also read Dave Holmes' memoirs, so I think I probably... Well, I've read... Probably a bigger Dave Holmes fan than you. Well, I've read, I've read Jesse Camp's memoirs. <laughs> they both put out memoirs. <laughs> no, we didn't. Jesse Camp did not put out memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Camp cannot read or write. <laughs> right. Anyway, last year, last September, in fact... Dave Holmes wrote an article in Esquire, Bob. I don't know if you saw it. A decade of music is lost on your iPod. These are the deleted years. Capital T, capital D, capital Y. Ah, yes, I remember that. Now let us praise them. And Dave Holmes, who is you know an encyclopedic in his knowledge of pop culture and music, uh, has, has targeted the years from 2003 to 2012. Uh, where music was disposable and nothing survived. Bob, when did Kings of Leon release their first album? Probably 2003. And then when was the height of their popularity? About 2008? Eight was when um, Sex on Fire came out, yeah. And then their follow-up album after that, which didn't do as well, but they were still in the middle of the pop uh, mainstream, was about 2010. Makes sense. So they are, <laughs> according to this uh, theory from Dave Holmes, which I love, a spot on example of a huge band. And I guess the theory was <clears throat> uh, that this, this time between streaming music and uh, 
and and owning CDs and owning CDs. Right. There was this weird period where you would physically either take MP3s and find them on Stereo Gum or yep. this site or that site, uh, or you would go and on uh, iTunes and buy a song for ninety nine cents. Mm-hmm. And you would build collections that way. Or you would just plug your iPod into somebody else's computer and take their 10,000 songs. Right. There was a world where you were just plugging your iPod in wherever you could and just accumulating music that you never owned. Right. So those bands that you were passionate about in that period, um, you kind of lost that over time because iPods became obsolete, obviously, uh, with the iPhone. And Kings of Leon... Is how is that? How about that for a theory, Bob? That they maybe are forgotten because of the Holmes theory, the deleted years. It the only reason it doesn't hold up is because when you say that, I think of bands like the Black Kids or Alpha Beat or like these Pitchfork bands that were showing up on music blogs that were something you listened to and liked in that era, and then you're complete junior senior, and then you've completely forgotten about them because you don't have physical media or they're not on your streaming uh, playlists. Kings of Leon had mega hits and were tremendous. Right. So I understand like how they're sort of maybe the, the patron saints of that era, but like they transcend that, I think. All right, here's Charmer. Thoughts on Charmer about? I can't think of a song that my wife would turn off faster if I played it. <laughs> oh my god! Like if it was if Emily I was, would hate it as well. <laughs> this was like, what is this? If this just came on as I was like cooking something in the kitchen, and she walked in. It would immediately be turned off. One of the like annoying things about being married <laughs> is that like, yeah, music is is specific uh, to this to me. Like, I know what Emily's gonna hate. Yeah, yeah. With music, and it might be something that I don't necessarily love myself but it doesn't bother me but i know it will bother her so exactly charmer comes on and it's playing in the next room i know she's gonna say something and it's like i'm counting down in my head when she's gonna make a comment about this and then once she does it's just so aggravating yep yep (laughs) every time why why even even if i don't want to listen to it at the time it's aggravating that somebody would want it (laughs) off because it's like no this is on and not it's not like all loud screaming music like Enter Sandman could be on and Heather would walk in and be fine and not pay attention. But something about that, the scream and just like the way that that song hits you, there's no way it would last more than 10 seconds in my house. And um, in defense of Heather and Emily, who've never heard these songs, this song. (laughs) Uh, So it's all theorizing, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, That is one of my least favorite Kings of Leon songs. I do not like Charmer. Never have. Yeah, I don't love it. I'm fine with it. I think it's fine. All right. Let's move on to... Uh, one of my very favorite Kings of Leon songs, I believe it was the lead-off single, On Call. But before we really get into On Call, though, you could play it. Um, the Your theory, I think, would hold completely true had it not been for Sex on Fire and Use Somebody. 
without those two mega hits, they would have been the perfect band to kind of disappear in that era. Okay. Okay. Much like the bravery or the editors, they would have just had like New York cred and that's it. Yeah, I guess this they're not completely forgotten by people like us, but I guess people are more just casual fans of music. But yeah. maybe they would even remember those songs. All right, here's On Call. Oh, I love it. Yes. There you go, Bob. Love this. This is, and there's going to be a few songs on this album. When I say it, it's going to sound like an insult, but it's not. And we'll explain. This was like entourage music. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're saying. Like this was the song that would come on at the end of a season. We just got Aquaman. At the end of a season one episode of Entourage before it got shitty and everything was the same and it was ridiculous that first season when it was like a real phenomenon and everybody was like, yeah. Oh my God, the show's so cool. And Jeremy Piven's so funny. This was the music that they were using to show you how cool these guys were. Oh no. Now I'm worried that Kings of Leon is the entourage of 2000s rock. Oh, see, like now, if you now were we there, might, now we might be onto something. <laughs> if you were there for it, yeah. you understand the bigger picture yeah. that they were, it was, it was fun and cool and kind of little outside the mainstream. And then once it got into the mainstream, it got progressively worse. And then with further hindsight, it became a little bit closer to a punchline. Yep. Uh oh. That's it. Holy shit. I think we did it. <laughs> that was, <a> little, <laughs> that was we quick. Stumbled into that one. <laughs> uh, on Call is the first single released on Because of the Times. Uh, it peaked at number 18 on the UK singles chart and reached top 30 in Ireland and New Zealand, placed number three in Australia. Good for you. Let's listen to a little more. You know what? It's interesting too because at this point, this was their third album, and you and I and our friends all loved this band. Yep. And we loved them from the first album. What is it? The Youth, Manhood, and youth, Brotherhood. Youth or, and Young Manhood. And so that came out in 2003. This is 2007. And this was the lead single, and it didn't chart on any level in the United States. Right. So they were still very much kind of like an. Uh, underground or not a mainstream act. They were very. They were kind of like the definition of an alternative rock band at this point. Uh, things changed quickly, right? But at this point, for that to be the lead single and like not have even a ripple here in the U.S. Well, and even the biggest song off of their last album, "The Bucket," wasn't a huge hit. By not any at all. Means either. So I think it was on the Entourage season two soundtrack. <laughs> so yeah, they were. They were just. They were one of those bands that was like big enough to open for the Strokes, but not big enough to be the Strokes. Right. Okay. Here is uh, track four, McFearless. (laughs) 
See, and you hear the beginning of the song is like, if you love the garage rock explosion of the Strokes and the White Stripes and and that era of music, like this was the next step of it. Like, yeah, we, we were, it was hardwired into us to really enjoy a band like this. It's all relative, but this really is their Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and I don't think I've ever kind of put that. It's a little weird before, for them, where it's really just expanding their sound from their first two albums. Like this is way more ambitious than anything off of the first two. Yeah, it's got a little bit more kind of atmosphere to it. It's a little more left of center, and I think maybe if you were a fan of. This album, for instance, and a lot of people that love Kings of Leon love this album. Maybe the next album, when they had the very, very radio-friendly singles, you were kind of like, oh, I missed that band. The one that was a little bit weird that my wife wanted me to turn off track two. Like, I missed that version of Kings of Leon. But at the same time, I remember the first time I heard Sex on Fire. We were living together at the house up in Hollywood. And the first time I heard it, I was like, they did it. Like, this is their song it's like you know when we talk about the strokes and you only live once it's like oh they've found their sound like this is the perfect version of everything they do great and this is going to be a big hit and every time i think that i'm usually wrong and when it actually exploded and became a huge hit it made so much sense to me because it was doing everything they did well in like a perfect pop song and then use somebody forget it that was just like um, I just feel like that year that we went to uh, Las Vegas together, every time we walked through a casino, you somebody was blasting <laughs> anywhere you went. Right. Like, it was just the biggest song of the time. So they did. They transcended. But I think their their old sound and this sound combined put out that perfect little pop album that turned them into something bigger than a forgotten 2000s band. Yeah, playing into the um, the Dave Holmes, the deleted years theory. I remember I was living on the Upper West Side um, in Manhattan when this album came out and remember walking five blocks to, I don't know what would be the record stores. Well, Virgin was in times square, but there was another one on the upper West side, like a big record store, like a big box record store. I don't know, man. I was in a fancy upper West sider like you. <laughs> you were a grimer, a grimy East village. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember buying the CD physically. Yeah. Forking over the $17. Yep. Taking this square thing that held the circular uh, disc and then. Wrestling with the packaging to get it open. Unless you figure it out. You, once you secret, figured it out, it, it changed the game. You just pull it open. Just pull it open it, like a it monster. It won't crack. No. People always felt that it would crack. No. No, you just pull it and the plastic gives. Um, the jewel case. Putting it into my CD player and just 
that was it. I was just had that in my. I had a. I guess it was a six disc changer. This bad boy was in there that entire year. Yeah. Like I never stopped listening uh, to because of the times. All right, that was McFearless. It might be one of the last. I mean, I, how much longer were we buying CDs? Not much longer. Point? Not much longer. It was right at the end. The late two thousands uh, was pretty much cooked at that point. All right, here is Black Thumbnail. Correction, Caleb Followell is the singer. They're fighting boys. I don't want to get that wrong. No, don't get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Love this. Hey, Bob, what do you like? Oh, this is what I like. This is the music I like to listen to. I love his voice. It's a great voice. I, I you know, when he came out, the first album, it was like, it was even more pronounced. I feel, I feel like with each album, he got a little bit more easier to understand. Yeah, like a little cleaner. It's like yeah. kind of like a Michael Snipe was the same way with REM. Now he's, now he sounds like Magnetic Fields. He's like, hello. <laughs> exactly. I don't believe in the sun. I mean, the first album, he almost needed like a translator. <laughs> <laughs> it was so sludgy. Uh, but I don't know. Do you get the feeling that this was a a natural voice? Or, or do you think it was kind of like a affectation that he was putting on? I have no I, I don't think I've ever heard him speak. I don't think I've ever watched like an interview with him. So maybe you just can't understand him at all, ever. I, I, I think I brought it up the last time we did um, Kings of Leon. But they have a great uh, rock doc out there. Really? See, I've really never seen good. It. Okay. It's really interesting. Uh, it came out probably about seven or eight years ago. And I, I think it's kind of disappeared where you can't even find it because no one gives a fuck about this band anymore. Of course. Uh, but it was called Talahina Sky, uh, the story of Kings of Leon. It came out nine years ago. And it was on some streaming service, and then it disappeared. But track it down. It's worth it. I will. Um, all right. Yeah, you know what? Everybody's zigging zigging left i'm gonna go right and get more into the kings of leon in the 2020s how about that spoken like a guy that's almost 41 no i'm only i'm barely 40 that's actually not too bad 41's not too bad no it's like any decade once you're in it you're in it it's, yeah. it's the transition that kills you but has anything inter- interesting ever happened to a 41 year old nothing ever nobody's ever accomplished anything at the age of 41 Big stuff has happened to 39-year-olds. Uh-huh. 40-year-olds have a place in history, like it or not. Yeah. 
41. Nothing. Just take the year off. All right, here's my party. See Bob putting this on his sex mix. Oh yeah, yeah, I would. Tell me about your sex life, Bob. In 2007. <laughs> yeah, where were we at? Where were we where at? Were we feeling good? Oh seven is when I started dating my wife. Our first, uh, we start, we started dating in 06 but we became a uh, boyfriend and girlfriend in February 07 So this was like three months in, four months into our uh, relationship. So all systems How go. How many women have you slept with <laughs> since 2007, other than your wife? Other than my wife? I don't know. Do, do you keep track? I don't keep track. <laughs> I was hoping to get you in like a mega confession there How in a big spot. dumb would I have to be? <laughs> How, like, that's like, you weren't even like being like speaky about it. Uh, three? Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I just wanted to like have you in the trust tree and then like you weren't even thinking, oh, there's no agenda here. We're just having a conversation with microphones in front of us. I don't know what I would do from that point because no, then, I know it's being recorded. Then shit would get weird. I mean, our wives do not listen to the show. No, it's very safe. If I was actually having an affair, this is where I would confess everything <laughs> and never worry about it at all. Uh, zero, Dan. I've had uh, sex with zero people think outside of my wife since 2007. Think about that. There you go. Do you think that's the way that um, mankind is supposed to operate? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say who it is, but a very uh, close friend of mine, every time he gets a few drinks in him, mm-hmm. starts going down this road. He's like, this was not the way it was supposed to be. Right. And uh, I need to say to him, because I don't want him to ruin what he has, because he has something very nice. He has structure and a family. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I guess I could say is, yeah, this is the way it is supposed to be. Right. But then that would be lying to him because I don't necessarily think maybe the way that we're constructed, we were supposed to we're, shut it down. We're not supposed to be this way. And I remember when I was doing... Do we not get enough credit? We deserve more credit for being just... For going against nature. I mean, you and I specifically. That's what I mean. Yeah, we deserve more credit for going against nature. No, when I was doing... Um, the show Not Safe with Nikki Glazer. Right. You were we, the showrunner of that program. I was the head writer, not the showrunner. We met, I, uh, Nikki interviewed an author who wrote... Notice how Bob just slapped me down there. No, I want you to be correct. Hey, hey, dumbass. We had a very excellent showrunner. Hey, dummy. There's a difference. Well, there is. A (laughs) fuckface. I just, I wouldn't want to disrespect the showrunner of the show. He did a great job. Okay. Um, Well, he's not listening either. No, he's probably not. He's probably not. (laughs) We we interviewed an author. Uh, I got to pull up his name. And uh, he wrote a whole book that's like, this is not 
Like, right. Being, this is not right. Being a vegetarian <laughs> is a choice. But we are omnivores. We are conditioned to eat meat and vegetables. Right. If you choose to be a vegetarian, that's your choice. If you choose to get married and only be with one person, that's your choice. But it's not who you are at your core because you are an omnivore. That's interesting. So now what? <laughs> you just fucking eat your salad and deal with it. Once you start asking those questions in a serious way, whether it's to yourself or your buddy at the bar, you're in a little bit of trouble. There's a lot on your mind. Right. And it, it you know, it might not end in a good place for mm, you. That's true. Um, so, Bob, don't look at it that way. Bob is that friend. I'm Wait, not, no, I'm, I'm not that friend. No, now. I've never said that. <laughs> no, I think you're suitable. You're well suited for marriage, Bob. The book is called Sex at Dawn with uh, author Christopher Ryan for our for forward our, by Seth Myers for our, for our listeners <laughs> who just want to like buy a coffee table book and leave it there for their significant others. Christopher Ryan's Sex at Dawn. We're like the best podcast if you want to make huge mistakes <laughs> that lead to the demise of your relationship. Yeah. Um, all right. This is True Love Way. Maybe like a sneaky 2007 track nine on a mix for a significant other here? Yeah, maybe. It depends on the significant other, but I think you can bury this on there. Track nine's a nice spot to put a song that you, you like a lot, but you're not really sure where to put it. Uh-huh. Just like, bang, throw it at nine. I think maybe real bands are like that, too. Yeah, I think so. Track I'm nine's saying. a tough spot. What track is this on the south? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right. I don't know. If I think I think it's a cool song. Seven though is a uh, the back end. Usually, the second half of the album where you would want your single to be. But this isn't really a singles album. In fact, I don't even know what was released as a single beyond on call. Yeah, we're gonna get to it. The thing, one of the things I like about this album is how well spread out it is. Yeah. With the best songs, are kind of scattered throughout. I think some of that goes back to Bob, the old side A, side B. Uh huh. Yep. Um, and I was just somewhat recently listening to the great Tom Petty and Full Moon Fever. And, you know, Petty is an old school dude. Of course. And Petty had that interlude, as you recall. Yeah. Uh, what was that? I'm going to play it. Turn Let's listen to Tom Petty. Man. <laughs> in the, just in the middle of Kings of Leon. We're just going to listen to a little Tom Petty. Well, because there is no Kings of Leon without Tom Petty. That is true. So... Uh, Stand by. There's no anything without Tom Petty. All right, here we go. This is how this all ends. All right, here we go. I think it was after running down a dream. Does that sound right? I don't know if that sounds right. All right, maybe it's not. Okay, hang on. Let's try this. I got it. All right, here we go. Here we go. 
Hello, CD listeners. We've come to the point in this album where those listening on cassette or records will have to stand up or sit down and turn over the record or tape. In fairness to those listeners, we'll now take a few seconds before we begin side two. Thank you. How about that? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Petty was an old school dude. He So that was 1989, right, when CDs were taken over. Yep. And he did not want to give up that ghost. <laughs> he wanted to have that included on the CDs. All right, here is Ragu. I love this one. Love this one. this song yeah me too it's got such a great like vibe to it um all right what do you think bob pitchfork would give because of the times oh by this point they were probably hating on them already uh but then again they were trying something new i feel like it's definitely gonna be in the fives i would say a 5.4 are you fucking serious you exactly got it right. Shut up. <laughs> 5.4. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, yes. the, that's the greatest thing you've ever done on the show. <laughs> it is. It, it, that is fucking wild, Bob. Yeah. Um, this, oh, my God. I feel so good right yeah, now. That's pretty good. Uh, the subhead. Former Southern Strokes <laughs> aim to become the Southern U2 on this, their third album. The shaggy 20-somethings once heralded as the Southern Strokes have turned a corner. Long story short, the family act known for whipping up the OC-friendly stews of Dixie Rock and Detroit Garage Bravado has hopped on Bono's wagon. Maybe the dream of colonizing grander spaces by sanding their edges to capture a spacious, safe brand of rock and roll. Could arena rock be their ticket out of the 1970s? Will the matching body hair shtick follow ah they kind of nailed it they nailed it yeah because this album i although i don't hear this is like a edging towards arena rock they certainly did that they, in a big did. way on the next album but this was wow they, they saw the sort of gateway drug of it all and was this after they toured with you two this is their first album after touring with you two. so that makes sense too so they were influenced um playing in those big arenas i mean i guess they had played you know in big they were playing arenas. Though. They were playing yeah. theaters with the Strokes. So yeah, playing arenas with you too was a new experience. You know what's them. interesting though? Like I don't hear it on this album. Do you hear a band like? I guess the ambitions are get the ambitions. The ambitions getting bigger. getting bigger. Yeah, I mean that's what it is. And then they truly went for the rafters with the the hooks and the choruses on the next album. Yeah, 
Interesting. Interesting. It's not a very kind review, though. Um, but I can't believe you guessed that. Bob. What the <laughs> fuck? That, that, it just it's I I it's in my blood. Just being like reading those reviews and the <laughs> and getting angry at the bands I like, always getting fives or All fours. Right. And the bands that like didn't deserve it getting like best new music, 8.9s. And it's like, no, like stop. Any band that put out more than one album, they would just be unnecessarily harsh on unless it was like TV on the radio right. or somebody. Then it would get like an 11. Yep. All right. Up next is it's in it's on the short list, Bob, of my favorite Kings of Leon songs. And also it kind of puts me in a very happy place of being... 27 and like down at the Jersey Shore drinking white Russians and Russians with my cousin Big Dog. Oh, great place to be. Here we go. And you say drinking white Russians in the middle of the summer? Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to drink a white Russian. Listen, he was a big, big Lebowski fan, and uh, I just followed along. Yeah. All right, this is fans. This was my favorite song on the album when I got it. And it wasn't a single. It wasn't a song that anybody was talking about or showing up on MV3 blogs. But there's something about this song that just gets you. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did this... I don't remember ever anybody ever talking about it. Did this album really hit at all? Not really. Like, I guess it hit with like people like us, and we enjoyed it. But I think it kind of flew under the radar. And now I'm like, wait, should we be doing this album on this podcast is no one going to give a fuck well we, that's why it's a dealer's choice there you go we've done albums nobody gives a fuck about before we can do that and we'll do it again we will we haven't even gotten to Lakini's Juice and Secret Samadhi by we life. haven't gotten to Robbie Williams follow up sing when you're winning <laughs> but we will I went to a record store and bought that me too and played it Opened up that jewel case, one shot. I tried to get into Rock DJ. <laughs> I ding, really ding, tried. Ding. Uh, here's something interesting, Bob. This was the second single released off the album. Was it really? See, yes, that does not sound right to me. Uh, lyrically, the song pays homage to the band's fans in the UK, where the band have traditionally enjoyed more success than in their homeland. And here is a line from the song. All of London sing, because England swings, and they sure love the tales I bring. There it is. Never knew that was the lyric. Never understood a word he's ever said. So. I know. 
Musically, the song, and we know this because Bob and I are musicians. Musically, the song features a combination of both electric and acoustic guitars with a pounding bass line reminiscent of the stick song, I'm Okay. I noticed that. Oh, yeah, me too. It was the band's highest charting single at the time, reaching number 13 on the UK singles chart. So I started this off by saying it wasn't a single, so I'm an idiot. But I've yeah. never, this was never on the radio. I didn't in the want US. to say it, Bob, but. It was never on any radio station no. ever in the United States. It's never been played. Never. It doesn't even exist here. It doesn't. Uh, and if you're just tuning in, this is the Because of the Times podcast episode, Kings of Leon. It's like <laughs> all the fans coming from all over America. Yeah. We've been waiting for this episode. <laughs> all right. This is uh, a song called The Runner. Don't know if I remember this one. I'm sure you will. Did you know, Bob, that fans charted on the Polish singles chart? I actually did know that. I did know that one. So plugged in. You know, I saw Kings of Leon. When was the uh, on their last tour? I don't care. When was the last year <laughs> that you slept with somebody that wasn't your wife? All right. What's the right answer? <laughs> That's up to you. That is up to you. Well, I definitely um, had been with women the year that I met my wife. The year that you met, right. Right. So let's let's pin it at 2007. Okay. So both of us. Sounds right. All right. All right. All right. 13, 13 years. <laughs> 13 years sober. 13 years sober. <laughs> two, a combined two women between us. And I'll tell you what, it stays exciting and it stays fresh. It's the way that <laughs> nature intended. All right. This is, oh, what I was going to say, I saw Kings of Leon, Bob, on their last American tour. You it did? Was not very good. Really? Uh, they were touring behind an album that was okay. I don't hmm. remember anything about it. Walls, was it? Walls. That was a good album. Yes. and There are good songs on that album. You know what? You're right. Yeah. I enjoyed it. In nope. fact, if I went back and revisited it, yeah. I would probably say, oh, wow, I like a bunch of their songs. That's what kind of annoys me about their commercial downfall is, uh, and this is a bit of like old guy stuff at this point, but like, how come Imagine Dragons has all these hits? And it's like, wait a second, Kings of Leon feels, I know maybe it's not their best work at this point, but this is better than that right well i don't know that it's a totally different sound Eh. this is no but why can't they put out an album that gets the old guys like us excited the way the killers and the strokes did this year hopefully they can did they i feel like we're so in our own 2020 pandemic bubble i don't even know if anybody cares about the killers no i think both of them like charted on whatever charts still have old white guys on it but I think people did care. They got like positive reviews and people cared a little bit. That's good. So maybe the Kings of Leon have another 
album or two in them, hopefully. We did, uh, a couple weeks ago, we did Van Halen. Uh, and I was thinking while I was watching some old Eddie Van Halen, like, videos. You know, his guitar prowess, which is, you know, Castrone-like. That's what people have said, yeah. Uh, and his just natural, God-given ability. And I was just thinking how, like, oh, this this seems cool. Like, this is, like... I th- can can the electric guitar and rock at some point make a comeback with youth culture, or or is that is that just something that's existing in the past at this point? Yeah, it's it, been a while. It's been a long time. Hip hop kind of took over in what the late nineties, like in terms of the mainstream, in terms of like the pop charts, yeah. And now it's two thousand twenty. Well, first it was like the boy bandy stuff, which is still in the mix, but now it's. All hip hop. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's gone. Like, what if Eddie Van Halen comes around? Like a new one. I think it would not Wolfgang. He doesn't count. It would be niche. It wouldn't be for everybody. It's not going to go pop. What if the songs were there? I'm not saying Beatles, but I'm saying like a band that has like a just a debut album that has just monster single type songs. Would that? go mainstream and like everyone loved it i feel like you're putting a lot of pressure on my dad band right now to do that <laughs> and i'm not gonna i'm not saying we're not going to rise to the occasion but it's a lot of pressure all right i mean you know i have faith in you i'm never gonna go see it i'm never gonna see your band if it ever had a show unless we travel to minnesota and pick up that hammond b3 organ then i'm in the band and you're in the band then i'm in the band so we'll see what happens with that my uh, wife would have a problem with this song, too. Yeah, I kind of have a problem with that song. I've never, I've never <laughs> liked that. Need to exist. I've never liked that song. All right, up next is Camaro. This is the uh, penultimate track. And I was going to say a single. I don't think it is, though. All right, here we go. No, it is. Single? No, it wasn't. Okay. Actually, you know who the third single was? That's insane. It was the song we were talking about that our wives hate. Oh, really? Charmer. That wow. was the third single. The record label listened to all the songs on Because of the Times and said, let's get the one where he's just yelling the guy like running, a banshee. The guy running the record label hated his wife. <laughs> See, let's see what you got, Bob. You nailed it because of the times. Yeah. 5.4. How about the following album, the big one? It's going to be... Let me find it here. It was, what was it called again? It was uh, Only by the Night, right? Yep. 
All right, I think I, I got my work. I am calculating it in my head. The fact that it was definitely more mainstream. Following this one, Pitchfork is their fourth album. It's going to be a 3.9. Okay, you didn't get it exactly, but you're right there. 3.8. Shut up. I almost said 3.8. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, see, I almost said 3.8. Here's the subhead on this one. King- I'm fucking good at this. <laughs> yeah, Kings of Leon have laterally shifted yeah. from one easily understood linear narrative festival band to another arena rock band, turning themselves from the Southern Strokes into Southern U2. And so everybody at home knows my computer, my laptop is closed. I have not looked this up in 13 years. All right, let's uh, let's do Aha Shake Heartbreak. Oh, that's going to be tough. You're not going to get this one, I don't think. 6.7. Yeah, 4.9. Really? So okay. they were out. They were already out on it. Okay. Interesting. Okay. See, you're making me go backwards. It was kind of tough for me to kind of get in the right. All right, let's go forwards then. Let's go Walls. The most recent album. Oh, the most recent album. Great song here. Arizona closes out the album. 4.4. 4.5. 4. <laughs> You should Shit. write for this fucking super up- uptight, full of itself website. But <laughs> I feel like that's what I'm destined to do. Walls mostly finds Kings of Leon back in the mode of offering up fast food woe o singalongs and guitars that chime as distinctly as wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's where they are. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. kind of the the modern day viewpoint of Kings of Leon. Sure, but also don't use Pitchfork as the modern day anything. Fair. All right, here is Arizona. I put this on my uh, Kings of Leon shortlist as well, Bob. Nice. Here we go. Definitely hear some U2 in this. Um, all right, Bob. I like this. It is time. I guess it's my choice, but I also would like to hear your thoughts, Bob. Well, my first thought, Dan, before we pick a song, is to thank the amazing Patreones that keep this podcast afloat. Oh, these fucking people, Let's man. talk about them. Do you know we have oh. hundreds of people every month kicking in $2, $6 to vote in polls, uh, $12 to get our little mini pods that we're doing where you get to hear us talk about dumb stuff for 15 minutes and watch us do it so you get to see. We're due for one of those. we got to knock one of those out. Yeah, we're going to. I am still not over Bob's pick as favorite heavy metal song of all time. I mean, you need to be a $12 Patreone to know what Holy that is. Holy shit. That was something. I have not recovered from that. I know you I have. I have to be honest. I can tell by the way you look at me now. <laughs> it did change everything. It changed everything. About our relationship. I regret nothing. Um, but thank you to our top tier Patreones, Bruno, the sponsor up there in Canada, mm, Courtney and Wyatt, wherever you are, wherever they are. Uh, we know where Kleine and his buddy Mancy are down under. They're at a shrine somewhere, like an in excess, like 
uh, one of those concerts with the hologram, and it's a Hutchins hologram. I think they haven't stopped listening to our Inexcess episode. <laughs> to the point where, like, it's like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters, where he's like making the mashed potato spaceship. Oh, right. yeah. That's what they're doing with our NXS episode. <laughs> somehow, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, so that's a good thing. But thank you to cool. those guys and our our insane god tier sponsor, uh, Neil. 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 Thank you for everything you guys are doing. Well, like. Liam Gallagher on Total Request Live somehow promoting standing on the shoulder of giants. Carson Daly asks Liam how he's feeling. He's chewing on a piece of probably like a Altoid or like a big piece of like candy that your great grandmother would give you. And he's looking straight ahead, no eye contact. Go like. And there's 39 15 year olds in the audience at Times Square Studio like. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? What language is he speaking? Where's Nick Lachey? Why is this guy here? This is weird. Go like. It's awesome. So yeah, thank you to all you guys. And uh, everybody else who's listening, thank you. Uh, if you don't want to sponsor us, that's fine. Go give us five stars on iTunes. We need more stars on iTunes, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's like the thing. That. Good. All right. Let's ta- let's pick, Bob. What are, what are the songs that you would most be excited to hear like the Kings of Leon song off this album that's like, oh, this makes any playlist better. The thing, all right, here, there's a few. So I'm just going to just walk right through them. I love Knocked Up. I think that's one of their best songs is putting a seven minute. We have a few seven minute songs on our playlist. It's possible, but. You like to avoid it, though. On you a like playlist. to avoid it when you can. But yeah. I just think that's such a great song. Um, I loved hearing On Call, which is something that I haven't really given a good listen to. Did in, not chart in America, in has almost years. no footprint. Yeah, but it was great hearing that one again. But for that reason, I, I believe that's also a positive in its it favor is. for a it playlist. Is. And I feel like maybe at the time there was a little pressure on it as a fan of them, as a fan of theirs to like do something. And the fact that it didn't, I was like, uh. but now without that pressure removed, it was great to listen to that. Um, Ragu. Are you still fucking talking? Yeah, I liked Ragu. That's fucking enough, Bob. I think those three were the ones that I would love to, or, and I know fans too, oh but my I feel God. Like I put fans on a lot of playlists. Holy I really, shit. You know, it's like about the UK. I don't know. I Holy that. shit, Bob. So that's kind of, you asked me what I was feeling. And but then you, you went, you took it too far. Arizona was nice, but that's not <laughs> my final song. We actually have two nine minute songs and two seven minute songs on the playlist, Bob. Look at us. We got Ball and Biscuit by the White Stripes. And by the way, Jack White was on SNL recently, played uh, Ball and Biscuit. And it was fucking awesome, and he still looks cool as hell. Is that what he played? Yeah. I haven't watched it. And he uh, changed some of the lyrics up. It was fucking I plan cool. on I plan on watching that in 2026. <laughs> Good. Uh, Ball and Biscuit. Uh, I, it's funny that Lemon by U2 is on our playlist. That's a seven-minute song. Uh, Runaway by Kanye West. If you have the single version, it's yeah. going to be shorter. Nine minute, And then what's the other nine-minute song we have, Bob, on the playlist? I think it's a new one, right? Didn't we just do it recently? Somewhat recently. Jesus of Suburbia yes, by Green Day. Yes, that's right. That makes sense. Uh, I will not be adding another seven-minute odyssey here, Bob. I've taken what you've said under consideration and I'm thrown it in the fucking garbage and lit it on fire. Um, no. It's your choice. Fans was something I was leaning toward. But then you got your feelings on it. I respect fans. So let's go with On Call. Nice. I think this is good. Like like I said, it, it annoys me. It actually gets under my skin. 
that it did not chart on any level in this How does this song not chart? Come on. Uh, So it at least charts on the Throwback Podcast playlist that you can get uh, on Apple Music and... I don't. I think that's it. I think that's the only platform. No, it's on Spotify. On. Like the, and uh, the great thing about the Spotify one is when you, so. the great thing about the Spotify playlist is when you listen to this podcast, it's not going to be on there. But then, like when you check it later, it's there because like oh, it's like an interactive experience. It's probably already <laughs> two weeks ahead of time on the Apple Music playlist. It's already been added. Spoiling it. <laughs> so, the Apple playlist only exists as a, a way to make this podcast worse. And, I, and that's, that's what I love about it. Uh, so, yes, On Call by Kings of Leon off Because of the Times uh, follows I'll Wait by Van Halen on the Throwback Podcast playlist. And um, follow us on Twitter at Throwback Pod. I like how you did that. Yeah, it was an accident. And on Instagram at Throwback Pod. Uh, hit us up on uh, with an email. Listen, we're... 40. So email holds a special place to us. And if you want to send us an email, you can. Thethrowbackpod at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we still email. I'm taking a picture of Dan in his uncomfortable setup. We're going to put that on Instagram. The gram is on fire. I'll, I'll put a picture of the Dave Matthews staring over my shoulder on Instagram. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening. Come back in two weeks uh, where you'll have another brand new episode of Throwback Podcast. And as always, give a kiss up. So be-